Welcome to Pharmacy View Podcast, where we provide regular interviews with pharmacists and key people within Australian pharmacy and the associated global industry. In this stream of podcast episodes titled Rx to Riches, we delve into the evolving global pharmacy landscape, exploring the challenges and opportunities, and examining the current state of retail pharmacy across the globe. With each guest, we discuss the hurdles they face and the potential growth areas that may shape a brighter future for your pharmacy or industry-related business. I'm your host, Michael Alexander, pharmacist, digital health enthusiast, and co-founder of Ottery, an AI-powered communication intelligence platform serving the healthcare industry across the globe. My guest today is proudly brought to you by Shopfront Solutions. For all your shelf and digital marketing needs, part of the Arion Technologies Group. All right, welcome to the RX to Riches podcast. My guest today is Tom Myers, who is a pharmacy manager at Walgreens here in the U.S. Tom received his doctorate in pharmacy from Oregon State University and is here to share some insights on what it's like to be on the front lines of retail pharmacy in the United States. Tom, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So let's start with your journey to becoming a pharmacist. Can you share your experience in the retail pharmacy industry and how you became a pharmacy manager at Walgreens? Oh, sure. Uh, I first became interested in pharmacy uh, back when I was in high school. Uh, we had to do a senior project. And so uh, Salem Hospital, I, I'm from Salem, Oregon. And so uh, they were offering just like a, uh, an experience for me to kind of see what uh, pharmacy was like. And so I knew I really liked chemistry. And so when I got to see how practicing pharmacies in the hospital setting were practicing, I kind of figured out this is kind of the career that I wanted to go down. And so I went to Oregon State, um, got an undergrad in microbiology with a chemistry minor, and was fortunate enough to also get accepted into their pharmacy program a year later. Um, and then four years later, I graduated, and uh, I had been an intern with Walgreens for three years. And so I kind of had some connections there. And so when I was getting close to graduation, they kind of made me an offer to be a float pharmacist, uh, which is basically you get to go to different stores. You don't have a home store. So when there's um, openings or like a staff pharmacist calls out, you kind of can take that role. And so I did that for about a year. And then I became a staff pharmacist in Albany, Oregon, when that position opened up. And that was uh, 2019, like right when COVID started hitting. <laughs> so I became a staff pharmacist there. And then around December 2020, uh, my pharmacy manager had left. And so that opportunity was there and I had already, I knew all the staff there. So I was kind of really a good fit to be the pharmacy manager there. And uh, I kind of had started some projects there that kind of showed my uh, vision and uh, kind of some features that I thought would be good to be a manager. And so I think I was a great fit for this team. And I've been at this role for almost three years now. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Well, tell us about the role then. What do you do day to day? What are your key roles and responsibilities? And, and how is that different from, from your former position and other positions in the pharmacy? What I like more about being a manager than, rather than the staff pharmacist is you can kind of have your own vision on how you want projects to be uh, laid out and executed. And so I kind of liked the idea of me tossing out my ideas and seeing how they actually played out. Um, so whether that's... Um, for example, when COVID hit, we started doing COVID testing. How did that roll out? Making sure that everyone's following the right protocols and procedures. How do we get patients uh, in and out in a timely manner? Um, so like different projects. I guess one of the main differences um, from any other 
leadership position as the manager is you kind of uh, get to, like I said, have that vision for uh, creating these projects. And so I liked the idea of being able to take charge in those and uh, making sure that those tasks got completed. And working outside of just your local store, you can also work with like other stores and at a district level and at an area with, uh, at an area level, which is what I was trying to do because um, Walgreens had created a new uh, position uh, for technicians. It's called the RSOM, it's basically the operations manager. And so that role is kind of taking more of the day-to-day -day responsibility, non-pharmacist day-to-day responsibilities away from the pharmacist. And so pharmacists can kind of focus on more clinical aspects. Uh, which is really nice, but what I would do is uh, I would host these district-wide calls. Uh, so basically, some pointers for these this new role, this new RxRM role. Uh, so uh, the information coming up from upper management can cascade down to the store manager, pharmacy manager, RxRM, senior tech technician. Oh. Yeah, so. interesting. I mean, it's, it's sort of interesting that you know we talk about trying to, you know practice at the top of your profession and, and get away a little bit from the operational uh, role. I mean, so how, is that a new thing that Walgreens has, has sort of tried to do? Is it, tell us a little bit more about how you're able to get, you know, away from behind the counter and practice a little bit more at the top of your profession. Yeah, so that's kind of what Walgreens was kind of envisioning with this new RxOM role is to try to take away more of the administrative tasks, the, those administrative day-to-day -day tasks like ordering and such. So we can focus on those more clinical aspects and more of the pharmacy of the future, where we where we do like more patient engagement, um, more immunizations, more testing, uh, more clinical aspects. And in order to free up that time, that's why that position was created. So let me let me talk a little bit about the pharmacy industry and the advancement of technology. So we know that technology is evolving rapidly mm -hmm. uh, in retail pharmacy. How has Walgreens you know, embraced this technological advancement to enhance its pharmacy services and its patient experience? Oh, no, uh, Walgreens has taken a lot of advances in this area, particularly with like going digital. Um, if you're if you sign up through the Walgreens app, you can get like digital text reminders, reminders that your prescriptions are ready. Um, you can also get calls from our pharmacy staff if a medication has been ready for a couple of days just to make sure that, you know, this is something that you still need to take. Um, also with the app, if your insurance changes, you can like take a picture of your card and then we get a fax with all that information on it. So we can update your profile. So there's not longer waits in line. So your insurances are billed more quickly. Um, even if you just want to send us like a message, like, oh, I'm going on a vacation and I need an early authorization. You can send that message to us earlier in advance. So there's less time waiting at the pharmacy and more at a quicker transaction. Um, even with those text me text message reminders, um, that's less time that the patient has to be on the phone trying to get a hold of a team member. And so it's more convenient for the patient and it's more convenient for us since we're not answering as many calls. So we can have more time for these clinical opportunities. Um, another thing that we're doing is like offering 90 day uh, medications for eligible medications. So there's, that's just less trips that someone has to go to the pharmacy. This will open up um, Wait, uh, lower the wait times, um, as well as, you know, giving us extra time. Uh, one way that Walgreens has really embraced technology, which I haven't noticed yet, but um, other states have utilized is this uh, department called micro-fulfillment. 
So basically, it's a really big warehouse um, with a bunch of robots, uh, technicians, and pharmacists. And what they do is they specialize in pre-counting all the medications, and then they're packaged up and then sent to the local pharmacy. So this particular warehouse, I think in Arizona, fills about 50,000 prescriptions a day. They bag them up, and then they're sent to the local pharmacies the next day. And so that's just less time that a tech has to spend filling it and less time that the pharmacist has to review it since it's already packaged up and sent uh, to the pharmacy the next day. And so that's another goal of the pharmacy or the future for Walgreens is to try to re alleviate those more administrative tasks and focus on more that of that clinical aspect. Uh, it's interesting because in Australia, uh, most of the medications come prepackaged already. Oh, so no, a little behind there. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's nice to know. Yeah, that the uh, digital revolution or the technological revolution uh, in the U.S. is just about catching up to where Australia's <laughs> been for the last couple of decades. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was also laughing a little bit when we we're, you know, talking about uh, technological advancements, and you talked about, you know, faxing, you know, fax machines, which some of our younger pharmacists may not even know, you know, exist. So it's, we're still got a ways to go mm -hmm. to fully digitize the entire ecosystem. But um, but we're getting there. I think it's, it's, it's interesting to see, as you said, some of these, um, you know, really some of these leaps in advancements that have occurred over the last couple of years. And it kind of leads me to my next question about, uh, you know, these ongoing global health challenges. You know, we know obviously about the pandemic and we know there's gonna be more global health challenges to come. So how has Walgreens adapted their operations and services to support not only patients, I suppose, healthcare needs, but also pharmacists and technicians and those who have to deliver healthcare? Well, Walgreens, oh, the state of Oregon, when uh, I wanna say a year after the pandemic hit, um, they gave immunization um, abilities to technicians. And so they allowed them to do COVID shots and flu shots because the, the sheer volume of um, people that needed uh, immunizations was too great for just a pharmacist to do it by themselves on a shift. So um, that's one way that Oregon was trying to kind of combat that. Uh, what Walgreens was doing is uh, they're kind of pushing for testing right now. So I did briefly mention that they uh, we did our COVID testing. So we did in-house testing, uh, which is a, a rapid PCR test where you can get a result in like an hour to two hours, whether you're positive or negative, and that result can be faxed off to your doctor's office. And then at that point, uh, you could get a prescription for like a uh, Paxlovid example, uh, for example, um, or we had a more accurate test that we mailed uh, to a laboratory, which took like 72 hours to get a result from. And so testing is an area where Walgreens is trying to adapt to that. Um, these testing machines that we have can also test for like influenza A and influenza B. So that is another area that we're trying to expand on. Um, that kind of leads me into provider status where we're trying to get like actual coverage for our services right now, uh, particularly like with uh, influenza. And um, it would be an out-of-pocket expense and a lot of, not too many people are interested in that. But if we can find more greater access for provider status, we could be able to provide more services to our community. Um, if we want to talk about something very topical, <laughs> um, today uh, the Oregon uh, Board of Pharmacy uh, released a protocol for the uh, RSV vaccine. And so that's going to be rolling out tomorrow. And so we'll be providing uh, those vaccines. Um, I guess Walgreens has been partnering with the CDC. And so we'll be, we'll be able to get these vaccines uh, soon. And so we'll be able to protect our communities from uh, RSV. 
uh, this month. Nice, nice. I mean, you said something very interesting there, which I want to dump, double click into if we can about out of pocket expense, mm -hmm. right? Patients are quite happy to take advantage of pharmacy services if they don't have to pay for them. Yes. <laughs> but once they have to reach in their pockets, it becomes a struggle. Have you seen any way or do you have any strategies uh, or have you seen Walgreens uh, kind of deploying strategies to make it easier for patients to adopt these sort of services that they have to pay for out of pocket in a pharmacy setting? Um, as far as like uh, reimbursement for our clinical knowledge, not quite yet. Walgreens had been trying to pilot um, test to treat, which other states uh, have been able to do, but uh, it's just stuck in Oregon legislation right now. Essentially, in these states, we would run the test in the pharmacy. You'd get it either a positive or negative, and if you get a positive result, we could get you a prescription that day, and it would be mostly covered. But the, the caveat is even if you get a negative result, um, that clinical knowledge still needs to be uh, accounted for. So not a lot of patients would be are particularly thrilled of having to pay for the knowledge and then not get a, medic <laughs> get a medication for it. Um, but as far as like Walgreens and how they're trying to seek reimbursement, uh, outside of like the Oregon Health Authority, like covering naloxone prescriptions, which is fantastic. Um, I'm not seeing those kind of services for like birth control or like COVID testing or influenza testing as of yet, but that may change in the future. Yeah, it's a tough nut to crack for sure. <laughs> uh, and I know it's something that uh, pharmacists all across the world uh, mm -hmm. noodle on for uh, for quite a while. But um, let's talk a little bit about community engagement sure. uh, and the role that community engagement plays for Walgreens. I mean, how do you and your team actively participate in promoting health and wellness uh, in your local community? Um, so Walgreens has a, a national engagement program. I'm sure you've heard of Red Nose Day. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, no, that's Definitely. kind of to raise like awareness for uh, child poverty and uh, the spread awareness of it. It's a really great program. It started back in like 1988. Um, it's raised over $177 million over the past eight years, which is great. Um, but as far as like locally, um, before the pandemic hit, back when I was an intern, uh, we would host like uh, flu and like vaccine little fairs. And so they'd be open to the public and they'd be able to come in and we'd uh, give them their flu shot or uh, TB, uh, uh, Tdap, those kind of um, vaccinations. Um, we haven't really done that so much now since there's so much um, effort being put in towards um, more testing and more like in-house vaccines that we don't really have the opportunity or the resources to kind of go out and hold a clinic in the community. Um, that's something I would like to see moving forward. Um, it's just staffing is kind of one of our big problems right now. And we're able to find more people, uh, more of these projects would be more feasible. Yeah, I mean, the problem is always time, uh, the time taken to uh, be able to stand up uh, some a project like that and to try and get the community involved. So it's definitely a challenge and uh, Australian pharmacies also mm -hmm. share that challenge. And then of course you do all that and you don't get remunerated. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it can be a little difficult, um, but it's uh, again, another a nut that's uh, worth cracking for sure. 
but something you mentioned uh, during our pre-meeting, which I thought was really interesting, and you mentioned it just earlier in our conversation, was Walgreens Pharmacy of the Future Initiative. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit more about that. What, what is that, and you know, what kind of learnings potentially can we pull out of that for Australian audience? Sure. Uh, for Walgreens, kind of the main focus was to try to utilize more of the pharmacist's knowledge rather than keep them in that administrative role. And so part of this pharmacy of the future is trying to opening up that time so pharmacists have the opportunity to do those clinical opportunities. Uh, for example, uh, we have a program here called Outcomes MTM. It's, it's basically a third party where um, it looks at a patient's profile and sees what medications they may be eligible for, for example, um, uh, if they're eligible for a statin, um, if you're able to call the patient and say, hey, uh, have you talked to your doctor about um, starting a statin? It looks like you may be eligible based on your uh, um, profile and other um, lab results. And uh, if you make the call and you have uh, able to reach out to the patient, they'll actually reimburse you for that call. Um, and that's just not true for like um, like new medications. Um, that's also for like checking in to see if like a patient has a symptom that they're uh, reluctant to talk about. So like uh, three days later, you can give the patient a call. You're like, hey, how's, how's your medication going? It's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm feeling really dizzy on this medication, so I just don't take it anymore. So you can kind of talk about like ways to control symptoms or whether the dose is too high and whether that's a discussion that they need to have their doctor to you know, have their dose or try a new medication altogether. But that interaction um, is another payable clinical service that uh, us as pharmacists can uh, uh, utilize. I'm sure um, Australia has something similar. Um, or do they have something similar? It's similar. It's interesting, though, because in Australia, there has to be a much more in-depth and detailed kind of medication review. Mm -hmm. But you're talking about really almost a check-in, in a sense, yeah. uh, you know, just calling a patient and saying, hey, how you, how's your medication going? And if there's an issue, um, is it that you have to you go in and you have to actually, you know, um, put the issue in somewhere and and send it out. Yep. I mean, how, how does the remuneration? How does all that happen? How does the payment happen? Um, um, how does somebody know that you're actually doing that interaction and it's resulting in some sort of clinical outcome? Yeah, so you can go onto that website and you can create like your soap note, um, kind of discussing like your interaction with the patient, um, and then that's uh, saved onto the patient's profile and uh, if it's linked to the provider's um, Clinic, you can <laughs> fax them <laughs> the uh, uh, interaction, and uh, at that point, either the uh, clinician can either sign off on it and send back. A, a, so when we send it, Walgreens will send them a pre-made script, and the farm, uh, the clinician just have to sign off on it and send it back. So it could be like they can start a statin therapy that day during that interaction. You can just send it off, and the prescriber gets it and says, "Oh, you know what? This patient actually is eligible for a statin." They can sign it off, send it back, and then the patient can be started on that medication that day. Wow. So you can actually look at the patient's history and their labs and, and make a judgment call and say, I think this patient should be on a statin and go into the portal, put that information, gets faxed to the provider. The doctor says, I agree. Yep. And signs off on it. That's like, right. Doesn't need to actually see the patient. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have that conversation with the patient to make sure that they're, you know, they're on board with it and that they understand the need and necessity of the medication before it's sent off. But <laughs> yeah, it, it can, wow. it, the, there could be a, a that quick of turnaround. Oh, I think that's, uh, that's really interesting. I think that for me, 
as a pharmacist, um, you know, a few years removed, mm-hmm. I would feel really good about the ability to go in, make that judgment, make that intervention with the provider and get a patient on a medication that they need uh, with obviously the patient's consent, uh, you know, <laughs> and the provider just kind of signing off on that. Mm-hmm. I, I really feel like I, I made a difference and I, I was able to clinically intervene in, um, in a way that's quite impactful for a patient's health. So I think that's that's really, you know, really interesting. Oh, you know, I, I love those kind of interactions. It kind of, you know, validates the reason why I became a pharmacist. I'm actually making positive impacts on patients' lives. And so that's that's the direction uh, I like to see Walgreens going. I think that's the direction Walgreens sees themselves going to, which is why they want to have more time for these opportunities. Absolutely. A lot more fun than just uh, <laughs> filling prescriptions and putting yeah. pills in bottles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> for sure. And actually, on that note, uh, I know Oregon has recently implemented an open formulary, mm-hmm. which lists medications that, that pharmacists can prescribe over the counter. So I know this is a timely topic for our Aussie audience, uh, pharmacists prescribing medications. Can you tell us a little more how it works here in the state of Oregon? Oh, sure. Um, so it started back in 2015. Um, the state of Oregon authorized um, birth control prescribing. And then a year later, they authorized naloxone. And so they noticed that a lot of medications are going to be approved for pharmacists. So the state of Oregon actually created a board um, that will rule on whether a medication will be approved for prescribing or not. And depending on the type of medication, there is additional training and certification that you need to get in order to do that. Uh, for example, uh, for birth control prescribing, you do have to take a class and you have to get a certificate before you can do that. Uh, this is also true for emergency insulin prescribing. Uh, so for this one, if a patient is on insulin, and I'm sure everyone's been in this scenario, it's the Friday night, the mission's closed, the patient comes in, they're out of insulin. Usually we just say, you know, you have to go to the ER and that's just more medical costs. But with this, we, you can look at the patient's history. You know they've been on this for a year or greater. So you can, pres- with the certification, prescribe an emergency pen for them to get them through the weekend so they can get that additional prescription the next day. Um, it has expanded since 20. 20- 17 when this board was first uh, implemented uh, implemented um so you can do benzonate inhale cortical steroids uh, rescue inhalers uh, includes covid tests obviously um it, it's expanded to tobacco sensation travel medications as well as uh, prep and pep so i'm really glad to see this expanding i'm excited to see where it's going to go in the future if we can um demonstrate that pharmacists are uh, competent medical professionals and we can utilize uh, these compendium that were given to us. And it seems to be that it's been a successful initiative so far. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think it's been great. I, I also wish Walgreens would pursue some of these a little more. Um, we do naloxone prescribing at, um, at my store, but we haven't really dove into birth control prescribing yet, but maybe that's on the horizon. <laughs> oh, it's interesting. So... I guess it's because here, state by state, there are different regulations, mm-hmm. right? So it, it's hard for a national organization like Walgreens uh, to roll out mm-hmm. um, kind of a one-size-fits-all policy if state by state, there are different levels of prescribing. There's been speculation like this compendium may even go to chronic conditions like with that emergency insulin. Um, they may expand that to like hypertension. They may expand that to diabetes. Like like I said, that Friday night incident, we don't want patients off their medication for three days. So there's an opportunity there to provide more care. So but, uh, we'll just have to wait to see if that actually happens. <laughs> 
Yeah, we've all been there. Uh, I've definitely been there. The Friday night, Saturday night, <laughs> I've run out of my, you know, repeats or refills and you know, I need this medication and you, you, you know, you have to make a, and, and it's really hard sometimes, especially if they're out of town mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, a regular pharmacy, you can't find a history and uh, having to be able to then make a judgment call about what to do in that situation. And, and sometimes it's not in the best uh, interest of the patient, uh, whatever decision you make. So um, it's definitely a, a horizon where pharmacists can, def- can do more um, in terms of ensuring the patients get their medications and stay on their medications, especially for chronic conditions, like you mentioned. Uh, there's, there's a really big opportunity there. So I'm really glad Oregon's kind of taking charge on that. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. So Walgreens, if you're listening, yeah. if Walgreens <laughs> is listening, we'd love to see more of it. Um, another hot button issue, especially in Australian pharmacy, is the ability to generate additional revenue streams. I mean, we talked a little bit more. We've talked a little bit about that already, about MTMs. Uh, but is there anything else that Walgreens is doing in this space that's, that's the, that would be interesting for our Aussie listeners? Uh, really, the idea is we need to have less reliance on income from filling prescriptions and more reliance, hopefully, on the things we're talking about, where pharmacists are practicing at the top of their profession, at the top of their license, and also being able to generate revenue from it. Mm-hmm. So is there anything interesting or anything that you'd love Walgreens to do, as we're talking about here with mm-hmm. a pharmacist prescribing, um, that they haven't yet quite adopted? Outside of the out, uh, Alchema MTM, uh, that, that third-party service I was talking about, and like uh, additional of, uh, vaccines, um, I haven't really seen any other sources of revenue for Walgreens um, as far as like what they would want to have. Um, I mean, we can do more like testing, um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tough uh, question to try to expand the pharmacist role. And so as we look towards the pharmacy of the future, maybe we do uh, discover a new um, method of income that might, you know, help our patients. Um, as well as uh, get us less relied on just um, increasing the number of fill counts that we do. But outside of uh, vaccines and outcomes, MTM, I can't can't think of anything off the top of my head. Well, there you go. I mean, even the U.S. hasn't figured it out yet. (laughs) We need to figure out. (laughs) It's interesting because in Walgreens and and basically all the rest of the pharmacy chains here in the U.S., uh, much, and I would know, I'd be interested to, to think of, or to kind of understand from your point of view what the split is in terms of how much uh, revenue is generated from the front of shop versus uh, prescription. So I know in, in Australian pharmacy, for many pharmacies, especially smaller ones, it tends to be 80-20 or 70-30, where 70-80% of income really comes from prescriptions and filling prescriptions, and only 20-30% may come from the front of shop. Uh, in America here, it tends to be a lot more in favor of the front shop. Maybe it's actually flipped. Um, I'm going to ask you that question. What generally do you see the balance of income between uh, front of shop and the actual um, pharmacy? At least for my uh, district, you'll see like between 60 to 65% is going to be coming from the pharmacy and everything else is going to be up on the front end. At least with Walgreens, we have like uh, same day photos and we have a beauty department as well that also uh, generates revenue i don't know if it's that's something similar in australia or not but we have these other opportunities and, and it's not just like food um 
yeah, we do have like a photo service and we also have like a beauty um, department as well. And liquor. Oh, and, yes. Uh, I, don't, I forget about that. Yeah, yeah. liquor is a big one. Yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, Which, cigarettes. And cigarettes. Right? I'm sure Australian <laughs> pharmacists are scratching their head right now. Thinking, wait a minute. Still? <laughs> cigarettes and liquor in the pharmacy? <laughs> But um, there you go. Uh, and, and yeah, I think uh, I was you're talking about photos, which is funny because I remember um, my first pharmacy that I bought in Australia um, had a um, a kind of a one hour photo lab. And this was just on the uh, dating myself here, just at the onset of digital photos. And within, I think, 18 months, the revenue of that went down. Kind of ten times, so because <laughs> there was it was regular film right. that the lab was using versus digital. Um, but now we're kind of you know the circle is kind of the circle of life. It's coming back, and now that you know you can go and get your digital um, photos printed at Walgreens, and it seems to be a pretty good business. Every time I go, it seems to be a lineup for that. Oh yeah, like like not only like for calendars, but you can get like portraits and like like Rubik's cube kind of stuff, and like. Pillows and cups. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> well, there you go. I should have stuck with it, maybe. Yeah, uh, right. A few more years. Could <laughs> have come back around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, well, let me ask you, yeah. what advice would you give aspiring pharmacists or pharmacy managers that want to build a successful career in retail pharmacy, uh, particularly at Walgreens? I mean, you've obviously spent your career mm-hmm. uh, at Walgreens um, and kind of come up the ranks. So uh, do you have any advice to pharmacists trying to break in? Um, yeah, no, uh, I would say attention, attention to details key. Um, uh, pretty much any aspect that you do, whether it's, um, reviewing prescriptions or it's making sure you make the right hire, um, making sure, um, patients know all, you know, the side effects that they need for their certain medications. Um, also having a vision, like when I became a manager, I had been with Walgreens for four or five years. So I kind of knew what I wanted my pharmacy to look like. I kind of knew the flow and rotation and how things wanted to go because I knew that would be the most efficient. And because of that experience, I kind of, uh, I think I, I, I was really good when I first started just because I knew what I wanted my pharmacy to be. And so kind of having that vision and also uh, being courageous and not being afraid to like make mistakes. Um, there's going to be tough decisions uh, pretty much the, every day or um, some more important than others, but um, it's more important that you are true to yourself and true to your ethics when you're making your decisions. So when you look back, um, you know that you made the right choices. Um, so yeah, just making sure you have a vision, being courageous, attention to detail uh, and perseverance. Uh, <laughs> the day-to-day drag can get a little uh, cumbersome at times, but um, but makes my job so rewarding is when you find those patients that recognize how much work and effort goes into the work that we do. And so when they do, um, thank you, you kind of kind of get that affirmation that you're doing what you're supposed to do. So I, I, I do enjoy the uh, profession that I chose. <laughs> well, actually, I love that answer because courage and vision usually aren't words that pharmacists or pharmacy managers <laughs> associate with their role. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. A lot of times it's it's drudgery, right? It's a drag. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really an important point that you really have to have in your mind a vision for what you're trying to create. 
um, whether you're a pharmacist or a pharmacy manager or pharmacy owner, what kind of environment you want to create for your patients and your staff, if you have staff, and uh, what you want your pharmacy to become uh, and, and how you want to impact your patients, right? Because that is that is where you get the joy of the work mm -hmm. is when you, you impact patients, but you can't do that unless you have vision and then the courage to execute that vision. I love, I love the work that I do and I can't wait to see where the profession goes five years from now, 10 years from now. And I feel like we're heading in the right direction. I think so too. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> For the well, let me ask you this. What is the hardest thing about being a U.S. based pharmacist? I think we talked a little bit about what you enjoy. Mm -hmm a lot, which is you know, the impact on the patients and when they come and they say thank you. And I remember that really well. And it, it makes up for a hundred bad days yeah. when you get one <laughs> patient who's truly grateful for what you've done uh, for them or, or for their family member. Mm -hmm. um, but there are a lot of hard things. There's a lot of hard yeah. parts about the job. So tell me a little bit about the hard parts and then we'll kind of end on a, on a happy note. Yeah. Tell me a bit more about uh, why, you, why you love what you do. I'd say one of the most challenging parts is kind of balancing um, everything that you were taught in pharmacy school uh, with uh, the business side of driving metrics. Um, what I've noticed is kind of the art of pharmacy is getting lost in like number chasing at times. Like we need to increase script count. We need to decrease time on the phone. Um, so we're really losing um, that patient-patient interaction while we're just trying to focus on uh, driving these numbers. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, so especially uh, from upper management that they want to make sure um, that uh, they're able to meet their obligations. Um, but so you want to meet their obligations at the same time. You want to make sure that you're still being true to yourself and true to the patient. And so um, it's it's difficult at times. And like I said, you have to, you have to choose sometimes. And uh, it's sometimes there's not a great, someone's going to be disappointed. <laughs> And so um, having a, a good set of uh, ethics can kind of help drive those uh, decision-making opportunities. Um, there, there are going to be some patients that are not going to be as nice as others, but I don't think that's the worst part of my job. I can sympathize with them. I can be in their shoes. Like we're the last stop on their medical journey. Like they've been in the hospital for who knows how long. They just want to get their medication and feel better. So I can sympathize with them that they just they want the they want to finish their process and so that's not an angry customer is not the most challenging part of my my career um it's balancing the requirements of upper management i feel like is most challenging <laughs> well i think one thing that uh the australian pharmacists listening don't realize is how much measurement goes on yeah. in the big chain stores over here, whether it's a Walgreens or a CVS or a Rite Aid, you guys get measured on everything, right? Yeah. It's, it's kind of insane. But <laughs> everything that can be measured has a measurement for it. And so you got to choose the ones that uh, you feel are, are most beneficial to the pharmacy and the patient. Yeah, you always have to keep that in mind. I think at the end of the day, it's about the patient, the impact we make on the patient. And I think you mentioned something about ethics, making sure that you're, Yes, it's a business. We all understand that. Mm -hmm. um, and we want to make sure that we remain profitable because otherwise we wouldn't have jobs mm -hmm. or businesses. But um, it should never come uh, at the expense of your ethics or obviously the, the health and well-being of the patient. Exactly.
That's it. One, one final uh, question for you. Um, having been not so long ago, uh, a young pharmacist yeah. up and coming, uh, you know, we talked a little about advice uh, that you would give them. Um, but what is one thing that you would say, you know, to them as they're starting their journey that they need to be aware of? Uh, we talked about vision. We talked about ethics. We talked about perseverance. Is there one thing in particular that a pharmacist intern or a, you know a last year student in in college really needs to be aware of as they're embarking on their pharmacy journey? Uh, when I first started uh, as a flow pharmacist, um, I guess I wasn't pre pre uh, pre um, prepared for the uh, amount of responsibility that's thrown on a pharmacist every day. You're the go-to guy for every question, for every procedure. And the weight of that responsibility uh, was <laughs> hard to grasp at first. Uh, but the more you do it, the more you learn the system, the more comfortable you're with it. So just know that it's going to take time to adjust to that responsibility and you will get better at it and you will become you know, the professional and expert in your field. I love that. So on that very positive <laughs> note, I think we'll end our discussion. Tom Myers, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today on the Pharmacy View podcast. And don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment if you found this episode of value or have any feedback. Podcast episodes are promoted through social media, LinkedIn, YouTube, and major podcast mediums. And each episode can be found on the Pharmacy View webpage with links to guest contact and business details. If you're a pharmacist or industry support supplier and would like to join us on an episode, send us a message through LinkedIn or complete the inquiry form on the Pharmacy View webpage. I'm your host, Michael Alexander, pharmacist and co-founder of the communication intelligence platform, Ottery. On behalf of Shopfront Solutions and Arion Technologies, thanks again for joining us today on the Pharmacy View podcast.